0: Today's message is called what Jesus and the prophets had to say about being left behind. Now there's this movie that came out this weekend. It was actually a remake of an old movie, a very cheesy movie. Remade it into another kind of a cheesy movie, but I saw it. And, and movies inspire imagination. They do. They make us imagine, and, and they engage our minds and our emotions. And so, as I was watching this low-budget movie, I, uh, you know, I, I knew that it would actually be a perfect backdrop for today. In fact, when I heard it was coming out, and I saw the trailer, I thought it's going to be a perfect backdrop for this message. So I wanted to share this with you. But, but just a little bit about the movie called Left Behind uh, is, and my whole family we went to see it. But it's a it's a movie that really takes place in about eight hours, about eight hours of the life of a family, and that's that's pretty much the story and the, the people. Of Family interacts with. But it is a dramatic, artistic portrayal of what might happen on earth at the time when God removes all of his followers, whoever has the Spirit of God in them, when he removes his followers from this earth. That's why it's called Left Behind, because it's about what happens at that moment and people are left behind in a sense and and uh, and honestly with the movie I'm not I I'm not going to do movie critic stuff so I never say I like I hate or whatever but the first half hour is about to kill me with the, with the acting and everything but then then it really picked up and 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 it's and it engaged me and the fact the whole family was all of a sudden silent for the next hour of the movie as we watched it but but it really speaks about my hope and my hope is this my hope is that it's threefold and this is what I want you to get today Jesus is coming we're going, and our future is crazy awesome. Now, if you don't get anything else today, remember that. In fact, I'm going to actually have us say it. Okay, this is my hope. I want this to be your hope well, as well. Three things. Come on, say it out loud. Jesus is coming. We are going. Our future is crazy awesome because Jesus is going to escort us into our his eternal kingdom, and it will be if there were such terminology, amazingly awesome. That is really what it's going to be like. And it is my hope, but it's based upon what Jesus and the prophets said. And there's this future event, and this future event is what we call the blessed hope. It's also called the rapture of the church. Now, back in the book of Matthew, there's a story. In fact, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to look in Matthew 25. I'm going to share a lot of scripture today, but but um, I want to just get started with this one. In Matthew 25,, G- in, in, the, in fact, in the, the chapters before that, Jesus was talking about the end. He was talking about the stuff that was going to happen. And, and after his talk, which was public, kind of like what I'm doing now, the disciples which was just like his inner core, his staff came around him and they said, hey, we want to talk to you about this. So there was a private conversation. And in fact, for a few chapters, you actually hear the private conversation of Jesus with his disciples, which is kind of cool. You get behind the scenes there. And so one of his disciples asked this question, which inspired a lot of talking from Jesus to the group. And he said this, he said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming? And of the end of the age, so Jesus talks about the sign of His coming. Jesus also talks about the sign of this, about the sign of the end of the age, and when, and, then, and even when this is going to happen. And you can read it for yourself. I'm not going to get into all the details of it, but Jesus spoke about signs in nature. He talked about signs even in the church. He talked about the Antichrist. He taught, he used cryptic riddles in his response to them about the abomination that causes desolation. He talks about vultures and carcasses and fig trees and all of this. And I don't know, the disciples may have even been more confused after Jesus finished with that because just a casual reading of it, you're going, okay, this is, this is really interesting. He just all of a sudden seemed to complicate it a little bit more but but Jesus then after that he explains it in a story, which is really powerful, which spoke into their culture, about their culture, something they would completely understand. And so he gives this symbolism of a bridegroom and these ten virgins. Now, the bridegroom is this person who really represents Jesus, and the ten virgins are the people who are waiting for the return of Christ. And, and he tells this story in Matthew chapter 25, and I'm going to read that story, starting with verse 1. So I want you to look at this, because this is his response to... When is this going to happen? What are the signs? Come on, tell me more about it. He says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The, The wise, however, took oils and jars along with their lamps, and the bridegroom was a long time in coming, which helps us to understand, (laughs) like, where is Jesus? And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Now, at midnight, the cry rang out, and they understood what this meant in their culture. Here's the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. And then all the virgins woke up, and they trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said... Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. And they said, "No, there might not be enough for both you and us. Instead, go in and to go into town where the people sell oil and get some for yourselves." But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived, and the virgins who were ready—that's an important word—they went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut powerful picture there later the others came and said sir sir open the door for us but he the bridegroom which represents jesus replied i tell you the truth i don't know you so jesus summed it up by saying this this is important therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour this is uh, this ancient jewish tradition that jesus was talking about about these unmarried friends of the bride providing light for the groom when he comes at night and and there are two types of people that were waiting. And one was the foolish people. In fact, that word foolish, it's kind of funny when you study the meaning behind this, is, is that they were, it, it, made, it's, it basically means they were stupid blockheads, the absurdly silly people. And that's really what, what that means, the, the word stupid in the Bible. And then, and then there were the wise people, which are kind of like the other extreme. They said they were thoughtful. They were skilled. They were intelligent. And you see, that's the category God wants us to be in half make it in, the wise. Now, regarding the foolish, the bridegroom says, I don't even know you, which means I don't approve of you. I don't even acknowledge you as friends or followers. And so the bottom line of what Jesus was saying here is this, keep watch, which means keep awake, be vigilant, be active, be free from infection, death, and inactivity. Now, around here at City Life Center, I believe this. So what we do is we say it in this terminology. We say it's important that we make Jesus known. That means be in relationship with God. Have your sins forgiven and have an active faith in making Jesus known. So it's more than a catchy little slogan. It's actually a lifestyle where we are always watching and we're doing. It's, in the Bible, there's like a lot of prophecy. And there's a pretty good fair amount of prophecy in the Bible about the return of Christ. And it's important that we understand what this means. And there's, there's a fair amount of, of scriptures in the Bible or prophecies that talk about what will happen after Jesus comes to take his people away. But before I get into all the details on that, as much as I'm going to cover today, because I can't cover everything, but I, I want to hit some highlights, I want to hit some general themes, is I want to explain to you how prophecy works, because if I don't do this, it kind of confuses everything. Because God gives us prophecy really to demonstrate God's foreknowledge of world events. It shows his control over the the situations of the world, and it also helps to bring us peace. In other words, when we read prophecy, it's not about getting scared or spooked. It's to know God is in control. He already sees it. He knows what's going on. It's going to be all right. In fact, it comes out really, really, really good in the end. Read the very, very end of the Bible. You'll get that. And the interesting thing, though, about prophecy is it makes much more sense after the event has transpired. So that's the interesting thing about it is it looking forward, it's like, I'm not sure. But afterwards, like, okay, that makes sense we see that in the new testament all the time the disciples didn't even know what was going on till after jesus left and they're like oh okay now i see what those prophecies meant and they're the ones who hung out with jesus and so well, i don't know what makes us feel like we can have it all figured out and we know everything down to a t when the guys who hung out with jesus for two and a half years didn't even have it all figured out and they definitely understood the scriptures and had them memorized in ways that we don't even have memorized but There's also this issue which is very prevalent in our society, and I call it the curiosity factor. And I want to talk to you about that for just a second because God didn't give us prophecy to fulfill some sense of curiosity about what the future is going to hold. In fact, some people become obsessed with it. Now, I'm not. I'm obsessed with Jesus. I'm not obsessed with prophecy. Prophecy is not Christian fortune-telling. But it's real. Prophecy is good. Prophecy is helpful. Prophecy brings us peace. Shows us that God's in control. Now, prophecy does something else. It gives us instructions on what to do when we begin to see certain things taking place. And that's a lot of these prophecies that Jesus gives here in this particular instance is about this. So when you see this, do this. When you see that, take this action. And that's really good to know and God's in control. He's letting us know what to do. Another thing about prophecy is ultimately, more than anything, it brings encouragement and comfort to the followers of Jesus. And That's you, and that's me. In other words, there's no reason to get tensed up, but relax. and No, God is going to take care of you. like what the Bible says is that a, a, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life, and that's a good thing right there. So if you read prophecy correctly and, and you believe it, it helps you just to, to do this. Chill out and trust God, okay? But I'm going to talk to you today about what I believe, and that, and it's important that you understand this is what I believe. You don't have to know what I believe. You don't have to even agree with everything that I believe. And that's okay. I'm not going to be upset with you if you don't agree with what I, uh, what I, I believe. And, and I'm, I'm not going to engage in a long, drawn-out arguments about it. Because, because the truth is, since it is prophecy, you cannot and I cannot be absolutely certain exactly how it's going to look because prophecy works best in reverse you know after the prophesied events happen we see clearly prophecy at its best is kind of like I was thinking about this. It's kind of like driving in a car with a fogged-up windshield. And you ever had that? Maybe a defroster's not working, and it's not foggy outside, but but it's you have that foggy windshield. And what are you going to do? You got to deal with it. And you, but you, your rear window is clean and clear. Let's just say that's working great. But in the front, you can't see. You see light and vague images, and and you're not even confident that you're driving perfect. And you got to kind of keep moving along. And it's not really wise to bank on everything that's just in your gut instinct of what's down the road because it is a little bit shadowy it's it's not completely crisp and clear out the rear window it's all clear it all makes sense you can see everything that's behind you so again it's not really wise to to drive that way and nor am I going to drive us that way and i don't encourage you to drive your life that way either based upon uh, based upon prophecy saying i've got it all figured out this is exactly what's coming but I can tell you what I believe uh, the way that i interpret these prophecies. Man, my beliefs that I'm going to share with you today are very mainstream. These are mainstream uh, beliefs about what I call the rapture. And I think I'm right. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. And, and so I'm I just am not going to be dogmatic about it, but I'm going to tell you what I think. And, and we're going to kind of go from there. But a lot of people ask me, what about the rapture? What is it? Well, the rapture is this. It is Christ's coming for his saints. That's what it is. He comes and he takes us away from the earth. Now, there there are some things that go along with this. There's there's Christ coming for his saints, which we call the rapture. And then, then there's when Christ comes back with his saints with the saints and that's actually called the second coming and and my assumption is is that based on what i'm reading in the bible there's about seven years in there and there's going to be this time of great tribulation in the earth where where the the rapture has happened but the second coming is not he has not brought us back he has not come with us he has come for us then there's a period of seven years there and he comes back with us that's just what i believe so, again, rapture is Christ's coming for the saints, for us. And then there's a period that a lot of people call great tribulation. And uh, this is what the, there's scripture in the Bible that talks about this, about the reign of Antichrist, the man of sin, this outpouring of God's wrath on the earth. And, and it's not, though, going to be for the people who abide in Christ. And then there's the second coming where Christ comes with the saints to destroy all evil. And Jesus actually sets up an eternal world kingdom uh, here on earth. And that's, that's pretty cool. But this word rapture, some people struggle with it because the truth is it's not found in the Bible, and I acknowledge that. It's just an English word that's, that well, they didn't have a word for it back then when they were creating the scriptures. And, and the, the, the best way to describe it is in the scriptures it's a catching away of those who follow Christ. But when will it happen, and how will it happen? Well, the truth is Jesus did talk about it in the book of Matthew. If you flip one chapter back in Matthew chapter number 24 and look at, look at verse 36, he talks a little bit about that. So let's, let's take a look at that real quick. He says, But the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, which is the same himself, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man." For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. In other words, people were going about their normal business. But they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. He says, This is what it will be like at the coming of the Son of Man two men will be in a field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at a hand mill, and one will be taken and the other left. So Jesus says, therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day the Lord will come. So that's what it's going to look like. That's a pretty good picture. In fact, that whole movie is pretty much based on this right here that I was telling you about. It captures that moment and the imagery of that very well. It's interesting. Just on the movie for a second, it shows that children are being raptured. And, 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 uh, and I, I do just want to mention that very quickly. Again, that's an artistic assumption. I, I believe that. But, but uh, there's, there's a belief that unless a person is old enough to really understand and be accountable for their sins, that they can't be held guilty. And this is a long-term teaching of the church of Jesus. Most people agree on this. And so therefore, the imagery that you would even see in this movie is of, of the, the earth just being children being gone from the entire world. So what is, again, the rapture? Well, the rapture is this. It is a sudden removal of believers from the earth by Jesus, leaving the unbelievers to face a period of tribulation. say, well, that scares me. Well, don't be. Don't be. Because here's what the Apostle Paul said. In fact, he wrote this prophecy to a a church in a city called Thessalonica in ancient Greece. And and they were very concerned about all of this. And so he addressed them and he said, The day of the Lord, this is in 1 Thessalonians 5.2, The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape but you okay that, that's on the people of the world but you who are followers of Christ you're not in darkness so that this day would surprise you like a thief and when i was raised, being raised as a little kid i did, you know i had so many people and teachers and stuff tell me it's going to come like a thief in the night and and oh you know you're just gonna, it's going to it's going be scary <laughs> no, like well no i'm finally glad i read the bible no 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 so So it says, you're you're not in darkness of this day, which should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light. You're children of the day. We do not belong to the night. We don't even belong to the darkness. then verse 9, it says, for God, this is important, for God did not appoint us, followers of Jesus, to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus. So he's writing to these people about the rapture and saying you don't have any reason to be afraid. Now, according to what Jesus and the prophets said about the rapture, I mean, the, the, we're supposed to uh, we're we're supposed to recognize the signs, and there are signs, and and the, the signs are are also though, kind of big and vague, and 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 it's and, and some people see this, these instances and say, aha, that's definitely it, and I, I. I think there are signs. And what do signs do? Signs point you to something else. Signs are not the event. Signs just point you to something else. And what the something else is, it should point you to Jesus. But to recognize the signs, the signs are this. Wars. Rumors or discussions about wars. Famines. Earthquakes. The execution of Christians. False prophets. General wickedness. The gospel getting out into all the world also one that's not preached about very often but jesus said clearly another sign is that christians getting offended and mad at each other and hating each other pestilences or disease uh, signs in the sky and, and a movement toward a one world government these are a few of the signs that jesus and the prophets talk about but don't be afraid know this, it's going to be okay for you. And this is, this is actually, when these signs happen, this is our brightest moment. And if this is really describing our world today, get this. Think about this. You were chosen by God to live at this time in history. I mean, you could have lived at any other time. So you have a purpose Some people have even asked me recently about Ebola. You know, is this part of God's outpouring of wrath on the earth and judgment? And the truth is I I honestly don't believe so because what's happening here with Ebola is nothing like what the Bible describes will happen during God's judgment on the earth after the rapture. It's actually much more extreme, much worse. It could be a sign. I'm not sure. The next question, though, is, well, then what about that tribulation? What about that time? Now, the vast majority of the writings and prophecy are really about our future as believers because the Bible is written to us. It's not, uh, most of what's written in the Bible is not about the people who do not believe. It's not about the people who do not have faith in Christ. But the prophet Daniel, uh, he he goes on to describe the moment of the rapture and the general description of the great tribulation in Daniel 12. And he says this, he says, there will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. That's the good news. It says multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will, be, will, will awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So it's, it's consistent... Really, this, the, the issue of the rapture and the, the tribulation is very consistent with God's dealings with his people that he removes them from the world before any period of tribulation. And God, he removed, uh, he, he removed his people from the earth before the flood came, and that's what Jesus said it's going to be like. He removed them so that they were safe in the ark. In fact, God didn't destroy Sodom until Lot and his family were safely out of town. And I believe, therefore, that this period of tribulation happens after we're gone. And uh, the truth is, I mean, why would would we be overly passionately concerned about what's going to happen in our absence anyway? Basically, it's this reason. It's so that we will be inspired to make Jesus known so we can take as many people into eternity as possible. And I think that is a pretty good reason. But the this earth during the period of tribulation is simply a place that you 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 it's a place and it's a time that you don't want to be in. Now I lived in this house several years ago, and, and it, after we'd moved in, I'd lived up for about a week, and I thought, okay, I'm. Just thinking through this, the, the issues on this house, this house seems a little bit dangerous. And it was a brand new house, but I saw some risks in living there uh, i wasn't, I had not purchased the home I was renting it, and they wanted me to purchase it but but here's one of the things that I noticed there was this gas heater it was sat right in the very center of the house. It was a gas you know gas furnace as well as a as a, uh, as, as a gas water heater, but it was just sat in the very center of the house and it was at the base of the stairs that went downstairs and, and it was it was near our exit there was just this there was the one one exit outside to the to the ground level. is a two-story house. And that was it. So due to the placement of that and the placement of the stairs, I began to run through it in my mind. If that thing were to burst into flames and we're asleep, no one really can escape the house on who's on the second floor. There's no way out. Uh, In fact, when you have young children, that's a problem. You see, how do you get out of the house? I can't. And so we lived there two years, and the truth is I never felt comfortable. I always just prayed, kind of prayed over it. I just never felt good about it. I think we should always listen to those instincts. I think God puts those in our hearts. But uh, I'll say I just, I just they, they kept offering me great deals on the house. Hey, we want you to go ahead and buy it. Please, please buy it. I just never felt comfortable. I just said, no, I feel like we're just passing through. This is not our home. I remember saying that. And, and we found a new house, and we loved that house. And, and that house is what I was passionate about, not the house that we were in. But about a year after we moved out, the house burned. And a fire had started on the gas water heater and went straight up the stairs and engulfed the house. I heard about it from a neighbor to say, you know, the house you used to live in, wow. So I looked it up in the newspaper and I even went and drove by the house and and I was just simply glad I wasn't there. Also, I was glad nobody was injured in the fire because it happened when nobody was at home. But I wasn't obsessive over that because it wasn't my home and God delivered me from it. It only kind of piqued my interest because it was a place that I had passed through and I was just hoping nobody was hurt. And in the same way, this earth is not our home. It's only a place that we're passing through. So yes, you're supposed to live life to the full while you're here, and that's partially why Jesus came, according to John 10.10. But our future is not here, so why do we really care all that much? Well, I guess the reason is because we don't want anyone to get hurt. We don't want our friends and loved ones to experience that time of tribulation, and really that's it. But we care simply because we don't want people to be left behind. And that's, again, why we make Jesus known. How can you be ready? Well, give your life to Jesus. Allow him to forgive your sins. And that's what I'm passionate about, that message right there. And, and ultimately, this is what it's all about, about making Jesus known. In fact, here's the good news that Paul the Apostle spoke about. He prophetically wrote these words. He says, I tell you a mystery, which is, which is important to understand. He's talking about a mystery. This stuff that's going to happen when Jesus returns the rapture, it is a mystery. We can't figure it all out, so there's no use trying. But he says this is a mystery. Now, we will not all sleep, meaning, meaning people who have even passed away, who have died, but we will all be changed, like in a flash, in, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. He said, For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. We'll be translated. Believers who have died will be resurrected. We're going to simply be gone, We're going to be with Jesus. So, what do we do in the meantime? What do we do between now and then? Get scared and go hide at the house and hoard stuff? No, no, no. Some people are very passionate about assigning a date. If you've been around for a while, you heard, yeah, I've if you've ever even seen billboards about it. Here's the date, here's the big day. I'm just telling you this, guys. Whenever you see a person on TV, on the radio, on a billboard, or even on the internet, and that's a crazy place to be to study this stuff, it, saying, This is the day, run, okay, run, because they're saying something. It's absolutely counter, contradictory to the Bible. You can't count down the days. That is total foolishness. Jesus said it himself. He said, in fact, even as he was getting ready to leave, you know, Jesus said, you know, the times and the seasons, you know, all those particular things you're so worried about, he just said, that's not important, what Jesus said when he was getting ready to leave this earth, he said to his followers, He said, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to be full of my spirit, full of the Spirit of God. That's what you need. And, and I just want you to make my name known everywhere in this world. In fact, Titus he wrote it this way. He said this in Titus 2:13. He said, We wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great god and savior jesus christ so we hang in there we keep making jesus known we recognize the signs of the end of the age and we just lift up our heads with expectation because jesus put it this way in luke 21 28 he says when these things begin to take place stand up (laughs) lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near and that's exciting what do we do in the meantime well, we just simply make sure that we're being a blessing wherever we're going and, and don't, be, don't be thorny. And I like what? What do you mean don't be, don't be thorny? Well, here's what I mean. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way, and he, he, he talks about really two kinds of people. We, we all receive uh, rain like God's word and God's presence. And, and there, But there are two types of people. He said, land, like people, that drinks in the rain often falling on it and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed receives a blessing from God. That's what I want to be. But land that produces thorns, again, they drink in the rain and all that, but they produce thorns and thistles, is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. So, in other words, let's just do things that produce fruit. Let's act a certain way. Let's live with purpose. Let's make Jesus known. And there is a danger in being thorny. Don't be that way. And don't, don't be the grouchy, grumpy, self-serving, self-absorbed Christian weirdo freak that everybody wants to run away from. That's scary. Don't do that. It's not worth it. That's not making Jesus known. That's making weirdness known, and that actually pushes people away from Jesus. That's a good one. That's making weirdness known. So, so in other words, be... A, blessing. And don't be forny. And remember this, is that the prophecies are meant to comfort us and to encourage us. That's what it's about. Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians 4. He said, For the Lord himself will come from heaven. This is so awesome. With a loud command. And the voice of the archangel with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive And our left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we're going to be with the Lord forever. There's no going back on that. That is wonderful. Therefore, he says, encourage each other with these words. Smile. This is for you. You say, I don't know, can I make it? Well, hey, your success is God's passion. Of course you can. Of course we can. I mean, look what else Paul said. He said this. He said, he will keep you strong to the end, that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's that's his passion. That's God's passion for you. It says, God has called you into faith fellowship with his son Jesus Christ our Lord he is faithful so run to Jesus and fulfill our commission and our commission is this bring lost people to Jesus make Jesus known